Audacious Compassion, Episode 4, Bone Brigade. Toothpaste, lemonade, polka dots and stripes, you're a dark night, and I'm the day, we're a wreck and that's all Welcome to Audacious Compassion. It's a podcast where we explore how to find compassion in the most difficult places in daily life. I'm Melissa Avery Weir. I'm Gregory Avery Weir. And today we'll be talking about coercive discussion, where someone seems to be trying to provoke you into talking about a topic that will likely lead to an argument. So, Gregory, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, This is a pretty apropos topic uh we had a kind of a tricky conversation with a friend of ours the other night several of those words are questionable (laughs) (laughs) uh we i won't go into too many details about the about the topic of it but essentially we were out just getting food and beverages with a few friends and one of them had several beverages um (laughs) To to be fair, so had a few of us. Yeah, I mean, we'd all been drinking. And he... So, Lissa and I... So you and I, we both... Mm -hmm. I think people perceive us as judging them a lot. Well, (laughs) yes. Judging judging in a way that matters. Maybe it's it's better to say that people seem to value our judgment more than... Yeah. Or, or worry about our judgment more than other people. I think everyone knows that people make judgments about other people. Right. And I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know why people get up in arms about our judgments, but sure. And so this this friend was concerned with how we thought about how he was going about some things. And usually I think both of our reactions to that sort of thing is to say, you do you, right? Like, if you want to know what I think, I'll tell you. But right. I'm not going to like try and convince you to change unless I think you're hurting someone. Right. And, and I mean, if, if someone is interested in exploring those ideas, like why I've come to hold a certain opinion or something, that's cool. I mean, we're doing this podcast. It's kind of right in line with that. But yeah, I'm not just going to like pass along judgments like I'm some sort of weird god. This friend and, and, and we were all having a discussion about how we manage our social circles, how we choose our friends, how we choose what we do with whom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think there were several opportunities where we kind of were like, yeah, well, sounds like you've got different values than we do. That's not how we do things. Um, And I think primarily you were the one that that he was kind of pursuing the matter with. Right. Um, But it was one of those things where you kept trying to let it drop and he kept pushing either to try and get you to understand something when I think you you had a pretty good understanding of it. <laughs> oh, yes. Or to try and convince you that he was doing something that was in line with your values. Right. Which, to be fair, I did not shut down that conversation as hard as I could have, right? Yeah, I mean, you could have said, I don't want to talk about this. Right. But in the end, it ended up with raised voices on the side of the street. <laughs> and... Getting yelled at, being yelled at in the, on the side of the street in town. It was very bizarre. Yeah, and I mean, it's in Vino Veritas. Uh. <laughs> it's, it was not out of character with, I think, how this how our friend acts. It was just 
exaggerated and maybe with a few of the breaks removed that he normally normally has but that was a that was rough because it was one of those things where i mean i think both you and i knew that that's one way it could have ended up yeah and we didn't want it to because it wasn't particularly it didn't really accomplish anything i think it did i think there was clarity that was achieved i think there was clarity because that person was not aware of how that there was not going to be a meeting of minds mm. that we were not i was not going to be swayed it wasn't a matter of us not understanding or not wanting to be convinced it was a matter of we got what was going on we had different values there right. yeah no thanks right um and i think that that hadn't been clear before or apparently not because we had that whole conversation and I, I think it was good for that i wish it had been achieved through other means yeah but that's over that was rough yeah, it's one of the, those things where we haven't spoken to that person since, and we'll see how... I don't speak to them very often anyway. Yeah, yeah, really I mean, like he's, the... I, I like him just fine. It's, it's just we're not Super close. hugely close. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that was that was difficult. Really felt like we were being pushed into talking about something that he cared about the outcome of, but we kind of just didn't want to talk about. Right, right. It didn't, didn't change anything in terms of our behavior going forward. So, So how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, this whole idea of a coercive discussion makes me think of how I've been deliberately not doing this lately. Congratulations. Uh, that's, there's, uh, there's an ethical question here. So I have some colleagues and acquaintances that hold some really unscientific opinions. So they believe in homeopathy. Um, they think fluoride and water is a thing. I think, I think out of the two of us, I'm the most likely to kind of get up in arms about that sort of thing. You're a little more let live and let live. I am, except for when I'm concerned that the opinion espoused may sway other people into doing or not doing something good for their health. One of those things where they're kind of leading the, the, the shift among their friends to maybe not take the meds that are doctor prescribed? Exactly encouraging people to not drink tap water because the fluoride in it isn't bioavailable and just like just like these really ideas that don't match studies don't match science Mm -hmm. um mostly focusing around medical stuff and there was a the the fluoride thing is sticking in my head because it was the most recent um incident and you know they they mentioned that fluoride in water is not bioavailable and i said well that's that's not true that's not that's just not true yeah um, There's mixed evidence for it affecting tooth decay in adults. Right. You know, and I pose the question, so if fluoride in water is not bioavailable, then what is the mechanism by which dental health has improved so drastically since fluoride has been put in water? And mm. in modern towns in America, where it's not there, it hasn't done that, right? So, Which is an interesting discussion, and one, I think, that if you're going to make a major decision about your water sources, you should probably be informed about. Right. And so, you know, I asked the question and she didn't have an answer and I let it drop. It was just one of those, I was just like, I could keep arguing this, but I couldn't tell like who else at the table was really buying into this. Someone went, "Uh uh-oh, like mommy's arguing, you know? (laughs) So I let it drop, but it is increasingly tough to spend time with, maybe it's just this particular group, I don't know, but with these people that buy into these, these sorts of ideas and kind of push them or at least recommend them. Um, it's not so horrible as to be, you know, slamming the medical industry as a whole or you know, saying no doctor knows anything about anything. But it's definitely like, here's this doctor that's not going to be covered by your insurance. Go spend thousands of dollars 
getting tests run there, and then they're going to put you on homeopathy drops where you have to avoid electromagnetic fields for two days while you do this thing, turn my Wi-Fi off, like, whatever, right? Like, like unscientific garbage. And it's really hard to just kind of smile and nod and drink my water and eat the bread at the table mm-hmm. <laughs> and hope that no one else is buying into this either, or that if they are, they're doing so knowing that it's placebo effect at best. So it feels like if you did confront them, that you'd just kind of be saying, no, we're going to argue about this. And right. Yeah, clearly they are enjoying, they are, they are partaking in something that they have the funds to do, by and large, that isn't, probably isn't doing them any harm, maybe, though, I think there's some debate there to be had. But it's a choice they're making for themselves, not for any children, not for any other people, mm-hmm. right? So, so it's a very self-contained situation. And yeah, if I if I brought it up and argued about it, it would just be to rake them through the coals for nothing. They're going to keep doing it. Yeah, especially because you're not, also kind of not equipped to make that argument. Like, yeah, I happen to know about the fluoride thing because I looked yeah, it up relatively. I was like, you'd oh, get no. a three ring binder of stuff <laughs> to to bring along to work one day, but like. I do listen to a medical history podcast that's really good, so yes, I, yes. I do feel very Sawbones able. is great. Sawbones is great. Um, I feel equipped to handle some of those questions, but they're not asking me. And right. So, so while I, I do try to keep a certain amount of like ethical concern there as far as the perpetuation of bad ideas, I think if things went into climate change or stuff, I would be a little more, I might argue a little more, but yeah, that's been kind of sticking in my head, and I've even passed over some lunch invites lately, because I'm like, I just don't feel like... I have better things to do with my lunch hour. You know, you're either going to swallow your tongue or say something, and either one kind of is that expenditure of energy. Exactly. Exactly. So speaking of workplace discussions, we got a question this month from a friend of the show which relates to workplace discussions. Uh, And if you have a question or a prompt for us, uh, you can always send it to us at avery-weir.net, A-V-E-R-Y-W-E-I-R.net. And the prompt was... I'm at the water cooler, and my coworker wants to talk about how wonderful Trump is. I'm a minority and voting for Hillary. How do I politely disagree with them? Politics. Politics. Happy October. <laughs> yeah, so we should mention this is September 21st, so we do not yet know about the locust plagues that swept <laughs> across the land on October 13th. Uh, we don't yet know about the, the skeleton war and which of the candidates led the charge of the bone brigade (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's i feel like just to like get it out there it's probably not a hard guess as to which candidate we're we're least likely to to like which is less in less in line with our values of compassion our podcast is literally named after compassion so there is one which is more compassionate but i think that there's the interpersonal stuff here is really what's interesting. Right. And we don't need to get too much into advocacy of candidates. Right. I mean, I think there's a certain, there's an environment here in which minority. Yeah, there's, it, there's, there's a decent amount to unpa- unpack. Yeah. I guess, I guess first, so this isn't just a normal, like, how do I talk about politics in the workplace? There's, the, the prompt clearly has, I'm a minority mentioned in it. And I, I know this person, she's a visible minority. And there's clearly at least a perception on her part that the confrontation to talk about Trump relates to 
her status as a minority. Right. So there's this there's this thing that can happen, especially in the workplace, where you get confronted about a thing because you are a member of a group and someone kind of wants to hear that group's opinion. Yep. <laughs> and I think I'm the one bringing that up because because I think you get a lot more of it than I do, Lisa. Probably. <laughs> and to be fair, okay, so... Yes. So as a black woman, yeah. On both of those vectors, there are plenty. It certainly happens along other vectors, too. So if I'm the tech person in a crowd of non-techies, mm-hmm. um, or the business person in a group of non-business people, or whatever it is that that kind of sets you off as unique, in a political discussion, that's usually going to be race, class, or gender. So you make enough money, or you own a business that puts you in a certain category for things, even though <laughs> the two might not at all be related. Um, potentially racial relationship stuff, stuff like parenthood, stuff like right. orientation, yes. stuff like relationship structure. Right. Anything that suggests you might vote strongly liberal or conservative or screw the establishment, mm-hmm. whatever that is, is going to get you questions. And it's going to get you questions where people are looking for a certain kind of answer right like they're gonna keep cornering you until they're either looking to be pleasantly surprised that you agree with them Uh uh-huh or looking to have their suspicions verified that you don't right and if you if you give some vague answer they'll keep pushing and it's 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 rare in my experience for someone to ask you your opinion on a topic when they expect to agree with you occasionally i'll get kind of the the inroads so i'm pretty visibly queer and occasionally i'll kind of get the inroads of i heard about this thing happening hb2 boy that's that's really (laughs) shitty isn't it (laughs) yes Um, and that's that's i think fine and less can sometimes be a little much but it's less of a problem less difficult to deal with yeah it's it's weird when it's a thing in which you are the majority i I, if i may say you are white (laughs) And sometimes white people think you will agree with opinions. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, that, that's a different issue is when I'm being asked to co-sign on stuff. Yes. But I think, I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a topic for another day, I yeah. think. I think a lot of the difficulty here doesn't, not only comes from, I disagree with you and I want to have a conversation with you about it, but I disagree with you and I want to have a conversation about it, and it's probably because you're a member of this marginalized group. Right. I think that's part of what makes the the discussion coercive. You know, like, initially I was wondering if we could kind of treat these as two separate things, the the coercive discussion and the fact that there's this social dynamic at play here, um, and I don't, I mean, I think that is the power differential, right? Right. It's just that. And even even putting the power differential aside, there's that sort of representation thing. Yeah. Where it's like, nobody wants to be a credit to their race or religion or whatever. Right. But at the same time, you also don't want to come across as that, you know, in your case, angry black woman. Right. And so that, that adds to sort of this sense that it's difficult to escape this conversation, difficult to remove yourself gracefully. Right, because by, by avoiding it, it's very, or by like completely ducking and dodging, it's easy to feel like a coward or yeah. like, th- I could have taken this one on. You're kind of leaving their assumptions in place. Right, because you know they probably hold some wrong-ass opinions. Right, and so it, it's it's very unlikely that if you go, I don't really want to talk about politics, I'm going to get back to work, i got a lot to do. They're probably not going to go, huh, 
They didn't answer my question. You know, I was probably wrong about them. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Probably not, no. So, so that's sort of that weird pressure there. And there's, there's already pressure in place here, right? Because you're, you're, you know, you're at the water cooler, figuratively or literally, and you're talking to a coworker, which you have to deal with. Right. Like, you're, I don't often use, like, you were forced to, but, like, your only option for not dealing with a coworker is, like, Pretty. some sitcom-level <laughs> com- complex avoidance tactics or leaving your job. Or talking, yeah, some sort of HR shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, if, it, if it's... If your if company's big enough that yeah, you can do that. Yeah, if it's to the point that you're, like, creating a hostile work environment, you can you can do some stuff. But, but yeah, you're, you're kind of trapped. Right. In this conversation where any any way of proceeding is going to cause social problems. And the water cooler may be in a sufficiently open location that you are also under a microscope by yeah, people passing through. You're kind of performing for an audience right. at the same time as this person is trying to score some points right. in this argument. Right. Yeah, that's a difficult situation. Yep. But the, the question in, in this case <laughs> is, how do I politely disagree with them? Uh, so I don't like the word politely, usually. I, don't, um, I think it's the, it's, it's, for me, it's the combination of politely disagree. Yeah. So I like, I like talking about being kind. Mm-hmm. I like talking about being charitable, um, giving people the benefit of the doubt and stuff like that. Politeness is often a way to use a formal social structure to artificially diffuse tension. Usually in a way that continues to support the power structure that's in place. Right. Almost yeah. always. Yeah. Like, you can be rude in any number of directions. Right. But if you're trying to be more polite than neutral, you're almost always just sort of avoiding confrontation, avoiding changing anything. Right. Not pushing back. And I, I'm not sure that, especially as a minority or, or a marginalized person, I don't know that you can be polite and not also give in. Yeah. Because I think that you will get perce- perceived as rude if you speak up. Yeah. Rude or uppity or or a social justice warrior in a bad way or whatever. Yeah. So I don't think you can politely disagree. I think you're going to need to at least take on the risk of coming across as rude if you want to disagree. Right. Yeah. Or, so, if the polite means... That she doesn't want to deal with the consequences of conflict in the workplace, right? Because, like, yeah, screw it's, that, yeah, right? It's, it's not worth it. Uh, then that's a vector to take that's where you perhaps skip the disagreeing and go to the, I don't want to discuss this. Which is, mm-hmm. still has the potential to sound rude, but angles towards politeness does not challenge the status quo. Get you the hell out of the conversation and you can keep trucking and let Trump supporter make their coffee in peace yeah and we i think we we were i think talking just today about sort of tactical decisions that you make when you decide when to confront the status quo and when you don't right yeah and that's totally i mean i yeah we're, we're in charlotte north carolina and there are protests going on right now over a over a police killing of a person and it's one of those things where it's like yay protesting Yay, you know, making your voice heard, but those people are taking on a lot of risk. I didn't go to work today. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I worked from home. <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't, that I didn't go in because businesses uptown shut early, shut down early and stuff like that. Yeah, so there's definitely a, you know, how strong are you feeling today? 
how, I mean, who is this person, right? Like, is this the person that not going to be invited to lunches with the team anymore? Because you've right. faced this kind of conflict Yeah, are you going to be ostracized are they gonna in wait, one way or another? Are they going to bring it up during the lunch if you dodge them now? Are they mm-hmm. going to not let it ride? Do they have the power to make your work life harder mm-hmm. later on? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's a whole thing that kind of has to be specific to your situation, I think. Right. And like, and what day of the week it is? What day of the <laughs> week it is? What the weather's like outside? You know, what you had for breakfast? Right. So that's the politely part, I think. So let's say that you've made this tactical decision that you are interested in having this conversation. You do want to disagree. Can you do it in a way that shifts that and balances out that coercion that's happening? I think so. So one of the big things that gets involved, and this came up in our discussion with our friend, but emotion gets pulled in, right? Like part of that coercion is usually some form of some some deliberate attempt to get you hot under the collar, um, either by insulting Clinton in this case, perhaps, um, or insulting liberals or like some sort of insult at the group itself instead of at the policies. Or there could be an appeal, like an appeal for information. Like, if you're nice, you'll help me know this thing. Mm-hmm. Or nobody that's a minority will talk to me about this, right? Like, there's usually some hook. Yeah, and that can be can be dangerous. Again, if you're in a situation where you're a marginalized person, emotion is used as a weapon against you all the time. All the time. Like, exactly. People are very good at very emotionally accusing you of being emotional <laughs> and thus irrational. Right. Like, Emotion should enter into all these important discussions. If you don't feel emotions about it, do you really care? Right. It's probably just an uh, an analytical conversation if you don't have, feel something about it. Right. Choosing choosing how to engage when you're feeling that emotion, I think, is what's going to turn the wheel of that conversation. Yeah. And deciding what you actually want out of the conversation. Right. Do you want to say your piece and get out? Which is what I would recommend. <laughs> that's that's probably the, if you're going to disagree, that's probably the, the safest and simplest way is just to say, I'm voting for Hillary, but I don't really want to get into it. How about that report? Hmm. I take disagree to be further than that. I took that as I'm voting for Clinton, who I'll refer to by her last name, as other candidates are referred to. I'm voting for Clinton because... Trump hasn't stated a single policy detail that is worth voting for. Thanks, enjoy your morning. Like, going ahead and finishing the disagreement by giving some meat as to why. Because, I mean, this person is talking about how wonderful Trump is. Like, yeah. that's what the disagreement is about. This person seems to want you to think Donald is a great person. Oh, my God. Okay, we can go all first names <laughs> if we want to. <laughs> but either way, it's kind of like, here's my opinion. I'm going to state it then hit the ejector seat button. <laughs> exactly. And, and if you say you don't really want to talk about it, pick up your coffee and leave. Yeah. You're reframing that. You're kind of saying, I am done with this. And if they want to continue it, they're the one chasing you across the <laughs> office, yelling about about Trump's awesomeness. Right. So if just being heard is your goal, that's that that would do it. Yeah. Being heard, making it clear that it's going to be more difficult than that to steamroll you into a conversation Mm -hmm. in which you're going to actually argue the details, Um, which is setting an implicit boundary. Yeah. 
or at least issuing a challenge that's an implicit boundary. Another strategy you could use, and mm-hmm. this is something that I think is becoming a favorite of ours, is to have a meta discussion. That's... <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> so, I don't know that this needs to be a very big one, but it you could... It's, it's certainly reasonable and polite to be like, hey, sounds like you're asking me to talk politics around the water cooler at work. This is an uncomfortable situation, especially since... You know, there's a racial component to this, or there's a religious component to this, or whatever you being a minority is a problem. Yeah. Or, put more shortly, like, just ask them why in the hell you'd want to talk to pol- about politics with them. Like, you could just be like, mm-hmm. hey, Bob, no thanks. Why in the hell would I want to talk to you about politics? We clearly have very different opinions. Mm-hmm. Thanks. How about that report? Yeah. I'm not sure that quite fits the criteria of polite. Well, we've, we've agreed yes, to dispense yes. with polite. I think that... <laughs> I think that maybe if you want to be less provocative, um, making it more joking is a way to do that. Do it with a smile on your face. <laughs> your smile tends to have a lot of teeth to it, though. I think, but but something like saying jokingly, I try never to talk about politics at work, or something like that. Oh, the jo- I don't think jokes. I don't think jokes. 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 You do not want to be the buffoon in this situation. You don't want to be the ha 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 awkward get out of the situation. Nope. That's true. That's kind of. I think, I think, in in whatever manner that makes it clear that you are serious, other than raging, saying like, "Hey Bob, why why do you want to talk about politics with me?" Like, I think that's just a perfectly fair question to ask. That's a perfectly fair question if you're interested. If, yeah. If you want to know, ask that question. Yeah. If all you want is just to end that conversation. <laughs> There's other ways to do that. Yeah. You can just say, I don't want to talk about politics right. with you. Yeah. Which I've done with a coworker. One who held some some very gun-heavy and anti-LGBT views. I said, we're, I'm not, we're done. We're done with this. And it went fine. He continued to make like... Oh, but the liberals jokes kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge in my direction. And you, I'm sure, just stony-faced him? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think that cutting cutting them off will probably work. If you want to engage in that discussion, asking a lot of questions about the situation can be surprisingly effective. I'm um, asking, why are you having the conversation with me? Why, you know, why are you mentioning this? Um, how do you feel when you hear such and such a thing that this person has said? How do you think I feel when I hear that? Yeah. At the very least, I think there's room for helping people understand why you are bothered by a situation like that. Yeah. You don't owe it to them to, to help them understand, but it might make your life easier. So maybe, so instead of just opening with sort of the questioning... Maybe going ahead and being willing to share, hey, Bob, I feel uncomfortable with the fact that you've posed this question to me. Yeah. Like, go ahead and just put it out there. Like, I don't like this. Um, I will say, so I 100% agree that this meta conversation can be a thing worth having if you care. But I also don't like feeding this person, like, let's turn this conversation around and talk about your feelings and why you, like, this person's a jerk. Yeah. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Or is being a jerk in the Either moment. a jerk or is tremendously and possibly willfully ignorant. Right. And I don't, I don't like... Like, if you're, if you're coming into a conversation where you should know 
that that person considers something a touchy topic mm-hmm. and you just go and talk about it loud and blustery, then you're somehow not giving a shit right. about something important. Right. And, and standing there saying, I'm uncomfortable, let's talk about you because you're an important person, which they are because they're a person, but you don't have to cater to that. Mm-hmm does kind of sit in my craw a little bit. That is a thing, that is, I think, a very valid strategy if that's where you are, if that's where your heart is. But it's not likely to be where mine is. (laughs) Unless they're already a friend or already a, a, you know, a quasi-close. I have some colleagues that are probably, or at least pre-Trump were Republican-leaning, like when there were other candidates. Um, And we had some conversations where, you know, we definitely disagreed. We were going to keep disagreeing. But I also didn't feel cornered by them. So I think the situation was just different. Yeah. And there are definitely kind of two kinds of political conversation. There's the kind where it's you have different values or different priorities and you're discussing what is the best way of achieving the public good, what is the best way of achieving safety. And those are things that you can kind of have a discussion about that involves a meeting of minds. And then there are conversations those, where, I will say those can go very badly as well. Oh, sure, but, yeah. Those are yeah. not easy. Yeah. But those are ones which have landmines but have a safe path. Yes. I don't know that there is a safe path for a conversation that involves things that someone has said that one person finds hurtful or finds dangerous and the other person finds harmless or things yeah. that they have done that, that are that way. Yeah. Like there are, there are certainly political views far more extreme than, than most Trump supporters have that I just couldn't engage in. Like I could not engage in, I mean, for me personally, um, anyone who strongly advocates sort of the re-education of queer people and the curing of queer people. Yeah. Unless I thought that I could change their mind in that first conversation, that would be a point at which I would definitely back out of that conversation <laughs> and possibly not hang around that person anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure everyone has some topic like that. I mean, I, I know some people who I don't bring up my ideas on gun control about because I know that if I do, that they will, because of their, their advocacy for gun ownership, will probably not hang out with me anymore. Right. And again, I think that's a decision you make for yourself, whether this is this is one of those situations where you just need to completely bail or whether... I think there's a I think there's a skill to recognizing this kind of conversation because you can look at you can look at a Trump versus Clinton conversation and say yes we're going to discuss what's best for the country and you can make it sound like it's going to be mm. an interesting meeting of minds but there's there's nothing there right you're t- you're like throwing gravel pebbles at each other about emails and whatever it is like you're just nothing you're like you're just you've mm-hmm. got garbage and Any, you don't and you don't know that until you've gotten in it a couple of times. Anytime <laughs> you're reciting talking points on either side, right. you're you're just using ammunition. You're no longer actually having a conversation. And there's no framework for that conversation. There's no common ground. There's no understood assumptions. Mm-hmm. So like when you're talking about you have different like your your first example of having different priorities perhaps and your and what you consider best for the country or the world, and you're discussing the differences in your opinions on those and how you came about them, you know what the conversation is about. There's your conversation is, we agree for a common goal of America being better or the world being better or society or whatever that is. And so we're going to discuss the ways in which that's happening. Either one of you can very, op- with open eyes, jump ship once you've had your fill 
But when you've got this like candidate per candidate, it, I mean, this can happen with a single bill. If you want to argue mm-hmm. about Amendment 1 in North Carolina was mm-hmm. a thing where people had these discussions where there's not enough common ground or not enough common assumptions before the conversation starts in order to keep that conversation anywhere healthy. Um, yeah. And that just takes skill to recognize that, like, I keep getting in this argument all the time. Maybe I should stop doing that. So for the question, how do I politely disagree with them? Think So step one was, you don't have to. Decide if you want to be polite or if you want to disagree. Yeah, because you're generally going to get one or the other. Right. If you disagree, you can disagree compassionately. Empathetically, sure. Yeah. But probably your best bet there is to say your piece and duck out. If you wish to be heard, yeah. Yeah, if that's what you, if all you want is to disagree and be done, that's what you get. Otherwise, yeah, I'd, I'd go for the meta conversation of either name what they did, mm-hmm. say, I'm uncomfortable, I'm in an awkward place, you've kind of cornered me here to talk about something that affects me or I feel strongly about or you feel strong, you seem to feel strongly about mm-hmm. or something. Which again is making this minority. It's putting this minority in a position of making themselves vulnerable. Yes. Ugh. Or you can ask questions about why they're doing things, in which case you are putting the person who's presumably not a minority kind of on a position of potentially being examined in an uncomfortable way, but also potentially just getting the opportunity to speak their piece some more. Right. This is a rough situation. It is. This is a really rough situation. Yeah. Short and sweet, probably. Unless you really think you can get something else out of this. Right. Which is a completely internal thing. That is for you to decide why you haven't even had your first coffee yet and you're engaging in this crap. And make sure you're you're making that decision on your own. You have no responsibility to satisfy whatever they want out of this conversation. Right. If they can ask for it. If they want more. And you can then decide if you want to give that to them. Right. But you don't owe them... A response to this coercive ass confrontation. Yep. Yeah. Happy October. That's heavy. Yep. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. <laughs> it's important. Get out and vote compassionately. Indeed. So let's let's uh let's clear the air a bit. I'm sure this will be nothing political at all. What what have you been inspired by lately, Alyssa? Oh boy. I uh I go to the Slam Poetry events. Oh, those are awesome. Those are generally pretty awesome. What's the name of the local group? Uh, Slam Charlotte. The one this month had a lot of really great things. I don't know that I've laughed so hard in weeks. The host was great. Lots of the folks were great. But <laughs> there were several poets all in a, all in a row. Which really was kind of tough to sit through. That had a lot of white guilt poems. So they yeah, were. Yeah, so, so white guilt is something that I think I've dealt with and struggled with over the years. What, what do I, you mean by a white guilt poem? I got to deal with it and struggle with it that night. Um, one of them was a poem uh, in which the person apologized for being white and apologized for transgressions of white people and addressed the audience as, as you. Like, we have done this to you slam poetry so it's i mean they're on a stage but it's still a fairly intimate event and the audience is going to be a lot of people of color but not exclusively not exclusively not at all it's taking a situation where you're apologizing for transgressions and somehow still making it about how bad that makes you feel right yeah it's a good thing i wasn't a judge they they only 
have brand new people judge. I've been going for way too long <laughs> for them to hand me some numbers. The the fact that some of those are rated highly was even worse. Like, yeah. I don't know, you just kind of sink down your seat. It's the kind of thing where, like, the whole evening, which was which was a mix of, like I said, good poets and, and, and those folks, um, <laughs> and really funny you know, jokes in between and stuff, and a good atmosphere in the crowd, was sort of an example of where I could have, in my headspace, been dragged into locking horns with those poems. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, like, chew kind on something. Fixate on them and be like, yeah. oh, and then they said that line. Oh. Yeah. The one that literally had, I'm sorry, every four lines, <laughs> I will confess, did stick in my head a little bit. But it was definitely kind of one of those things where I was like, I just get to let this go. Like, there were some really amazing poets, some folks from out of town and stuff. Um, so just getting to to practice engaging lightly where it was healthiest to do so. Mm-hmm. And then, like, really sinking in on some of the cool stuff that was there that was, you know, that I could get my teeth into that was good. That was inspiring. And yeah. I and I bought an album, like a, not an album album, I bought a CD. Well, a digital. Anyway, I bought some music from one of the poets. <laughs> Whatever we call these things these days, it was good. Awesome. What about you? I've been reading. So this is this is a person I've been following for a long time. There's a there's a Tumblr called the Unit of Caring, um, which is a really interesting and insightful uh, person that that runs it and it's basically just her talking about stuff she cares about and she's a geek about a whole lot of really interesting things notably she's an effective altruist mm-hmm. which is basically a charity geek people who tend to use rationalist approaches to deciding how to charitably give rationalist but also deliberately compassionate deliberately like, compassionate in, in service in service yeah. of compassion kind of like Everyone's life is worth the same amount, so how do we save the most number of lives? Exactly. Is, is kind of an effective altruist way of, of saying things. And there are certainly effective altruists who get weird and have pretty bad opinions and so on that I very much disagree with. But the philosophy at its core is interesting, and I really like how the unit of caring takes it, what perspective they take. But the reason that, that I'm I'm thinking of it right now is that she's doing an interesting thing lately where she kind of said hey, anybody who supports Trump, come talk to me about it, and I have some questions. I I will not try and use you to score points. I just want to talk to you about it. If you can be anonymous, or if you're not anonymous, I will, she said something like, really annoy anyone who tries to give you a hard time, and sort of set up a safe space in a situation where I don't think she feels particularly safe. I mean, she has pretty strong opinions about about the, this this election, but very much setting up a space that's saying, I do want to have a discussion and I don't want it to be coercive. Right. And she had some people take her up on it and they have been interesting discussions. And mm-hmm. in some cases it's been, I don't agree with you, or these mm-hmm. are the things in which our values don't match. Mm-hmm. Um but in other cases, she said her piece, and the person said, oh, that's interesting. Can you give me sources for this and this and this thing you said? And mm-hmm. she's like, here are the sources. And actually, maybe affecting opinions, maybe not, but setting up a conversation that is actually the sort of conversation that people imagine themselves having when they talk about politics. Right. And a, and a conversation that I'm not sure you can have in person. It's tough to keep composure yeah, there. and when you're passing the mic back and forth, so to speak, like this person, she was able to write paragraphs right. touching on six or seven things that are important about Trump's campaigning strategies and so on. 
um, which you just can't do that in person. Like, no one's right. going to sit there and let you talk. Yeah, for... in text form, that's perfectly fine. In person, that would be weird and rude <laughs> if you insisted on it. It would, you know, it would let be... Let me finish. Yeah. <laughs> a little um, bit of a Kanye in the middle of that. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting. And, I mean, she talks about all sorts of other things, issues of being a conservative Jew by choice, but also a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, some amount of sort of personal stuff, the, the standard Tumblr mix. But... Anytime there's some dramatic issue, I always find her opinion really insightful in some way. Sometimes I agree with it, sometimes I don't. But it's it's always an interesting way to look at things. Yeah. Definitely came to mind thinking about how do you even talk about this as as a minority or a marginalized person. Yeah, I, I think the, the best way to sort of parallel that Trump discussion that she had on her throughout the Tumblr was... To, like, sit with someone in a coffee shop and agree to mm-hmm. that social contract mutually and... Have a meta conversation first. Right. Be in a position where you're of roughly equal power or yeah. where you're comfortable that you can exert power if you need to to keep yourself safe. Yeah. yeah. It's certainly made for good reading. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Recommend you check it out. Theunitofcaring.tumblr.com there's, there's no E in Tumblr, right? It's just Tumblr. Right, tum- Tumblr. Tumblr. Well, there is a U. <laughs> T- oh, Tumblr. You, you, you know, or Tumblr. If you, if you misspell it, Google it, you'll find it. Yes. The unit of caring. All right. Final thoughts on this topic. How do we... How do we button it up? Anything? Any new thoughts? So, coercive discussions are sort of toxic by default. If you're, if you're being coerced into talking about something, you can't talk about it on the terms of the person coercing right that you're just you're not you don't have the power there right so the only way to have that and avoid interacting with that system is by somehow disrupting it right by either ending it early or jumping up a level and talking about the discussion mm-hmm. or something along those lines i don't i don't know that it's a losing game to try and interact with that sort of coercion no i don't think you can not without either becoming highly reactive which might not actually be what they're seeking but might be what they get yeah Um. (laughs) i mean if you're if if it serves your needs to go off on them like that is an option it is but will you respect yourself in the morning Uh, yeah my goal for conversations like that is to not feel angry about them for the rest of the day yeah good good luck it's <laughs> right. gonna be hard yeah but yeah you need to somehow change that framework so that you're so that your needs are getting met right yeah. like it's not it's not even just to be contrary what what that person is proposing is not is not going to be good for you and it's perfectly fine for you to be tactical and to keep yourself safe yeah even if you feel like it's really important to other people that some political outcome happen or or any other thing in a discussion like that. You don't have to be on 24-7. Right. And you deserve to have a break sometimes. Yep. Do what keeps you safe first so that you can live to have an important discussion another day. But if you do feel able to have those conversations and strong enough to guide them in a more healthy direction. It's possible to not have that coercive discussion, but have a different discussion that actually helps arrive at a place of better compassion or better truth. Right. Including possibly helping the other person understand. At the very least, 
why there are better ways to have discussions exactly than cornering someone at the water cooler right and thank you for talking with me gregory and thanks for talking with me and thank you for listening this has been audacious compassion if you have questions or prompts for discussion please send them to us at avery-weir.net i'm melissa avery weir i can be found on twitter at averymd i'm gregory avery weir i can be found on twitter at gregory weir and our closing song is invisible light by josh woodward available under a creative commons attribution 3.0 license Audacious compassion. (laughs) I didn't even. (laughs) All right. Audacious compassion, episode four. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) Say it.